Hello, and thank you for downloading the Sunday, January the 27th, 2008 edition of the Community Baptist Church Service. Our pastor, Dr. Tim Hobbs, continues his sermon series on life on the next level. The scripture is taken from Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Our choir sings, United in His Love, an arrangement by Cindy Berry. Our offertory is played by our church pianist, Jika Crafton. She is playing an arrangement of Friends. We hope that this service is a blessing to you. If you do not have a church home, we invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning. Bible study every Sunday morning at 945, followed by a worship experience at 1045. We would love to have you in attendance. We now unite with the service in progress.
God, you are so good, and we thank you for the goodness that you send our way, the blessings that you bestow upon us each day of our lives. You are so generous to us and so loving to us, and we are your grateful people. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that gives us direction in our life. And we lift your holy name on high. We praise you, O God, and we worship you today. And we pray that in this time of worship that your spirit would dwell in us so strongly and so closely that we would know that you are with us, that we would know that we are unworthy in your presence, but through your spirit you are making us worthy. And we pray that we would be your people devoted to your work and devoted to loving one another as you have loved us. Thank you, God, for all you do in our lives and for the blessings of salvation and for the blessing of being with friends, with brothers and sisters in Christ today. For it's in Christ's name that we pray, our friend. Amen. Boys and girls, it's your special time to come down here. If you're visiting with us and need somebody to come with you, that's great. But you're going to be right here and you'll be returning your seats in just a minute as Miss Christine this morning will share it with you. Good morning. Good to see so many of you here this morning. Kaylee, I'm going to need some help in a minute. You want to come up here and sit by me? I'll get you to help me in just a minute. Dr. Tim's going to be uh, talking to, to us this morning about relationships. And I got to thinking about all the different kind of relationships that we have in our lives. We have relationships with our moms and our dads, grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles. And then also we have 
relationships with our friends. And I got to making out my list of friends, and I just kept working on it, working on it. I didn't even get finished. I didn't have time before I had to come to church today to write down all of the friends I have. And a lot of my friends are friends that I've met here at church. And I got to thinking about how we became friends. And one way, I was thinking about Gail Grimes. She's up in the choir with me. And Gail and I, we didn't even know each other until a couple of years ago. And Gail decided to come to Community Baptist Church. And she joined the choir. And we sit right beside each other on Wednesday nights during practice. And then we sit beside each other on Sunday. And we've become friends. And did you boys and girls know that we have a choir on Wednesday night for you? And you could come to choir. It's at 5.30 on Wednesday night. And you could become friends with lots of other boys and girls. And at the same time, you could have fun singing songs. It's just a lot of fun on Wednesday night. And then also another thing I got to thinking about was with my friends, hospitality. When you have friends, you sometimes have them over to your house, don't you? And maybe play. Or you go outside and you play with your friends. And on Wednesday night, we have dinner here together. And that's just a really neat time because we get to have dinner together and we get to talk with our friends and say, hey, what's been going on this week? And what have you been doing at school? And and who do you know? And what's going on? Just a lot of fun. And then another thing I got to thinking about, a lot of people that I have become very close friends with here at Community Baptist, I've either participated in a mission with them or we've been on a mission trip. Sybil Keach and I, we knew each other, but we didn't know each other very well. And we went on a mission trip together, and we became really, really close friends. And that's just a neat thing, too. And you kids can come to missions class. Jerry, Jerry, come back over here, please. You kids can come to missions class on Wednesday night. There is a mission class for every age of child. And you can come to missions on Wednesday night and meet lots of new friends. Another thing I got to thinking about, like I told you, my list was really long and it just kept getting longer. Is there any limit to the number? Come here, Jerry. Let me ask you a question. Come here. Is there any limit to the number of friends that we can have? Heather, how many friends can you have? Uh, Just two or three? You couldn't have five or six or seven or eight or ten? There's no limit to the number of friends that we can have. How many? A hundred? We could have a hundred. If we got to make it on our list, we might be able to have a hundred. Isn't that wonderful? The only person that puts a limit on how many friends we can have is us. And a great way to make new friends is to get involved with activities at the church. And it's just a, a lot of fun. And for the adults, too. We've got a seat up here in choir if anybody wants to join. We have a great time. This week in our missions with the adults, we're going to be meeting with Becky Reeder. And she's from Habitat here in town. And she's going to be talking to us about how us as a church, this summer, we're going to help to build a Habitat home. And that would be a great way to make new friends because we're going to partner with other churches and build that home. Now, what I have for you here today is an invitation. And your invitation does have candy in it. But it says to you and a friend to come this Wednesday night to come for choir and act one, to come for the missions class. And and then afterwards, we're going to have a birthday party. And on the front, it says the birth of a new year, a new class, because we have one new mission class, and a new you. So you invite a friend. I got to thinking about that, too. I've got some very good friends that come to church here that I invited to come to church. I knew they were looking for a church home. I knew that they needed to come into a church, and and then when they came in, they made all kinds of new friends here. So invite a friend or invite someone who you might not be that close of a friend with, and that's a great way to become friends. Yes, Kate? You're going to? All right, that'd be great. So y'all can come up and get one of these as you go, okay? Thank you. Katie, you want to help these out?
Thank you for letting us gather here today to worship and praise your name. Thank you for constantly providing miracles in our lives, some that go seen, some that don't go seen. But, Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to this world to forgive us of our sins. Please forgive us where we fail you, and please bless these tithes and offerings. In your holy name, amen.
Thank you, choir. We are going to be talking today about the subject that the choir was singing on, uh, being united in the love of Christ, because today we are talking about the subject of relationships. We are in the series called Life on the Next Level. And uh, during this series, we've been talking about how God wants to take our lives to a, a whole new level. God wants us to have a higher quality kind of life. And this is how Jesus described that life in John 10:10. 10, 10. He said, he said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. You know, Jesus is pretty clear here. Uh, he wants to give us a higher quality of life. But I want you to notice that he never promises that this life is going to be easy. As a matter of fact, Jesus is equally clear that he wants you to have this better life, but it also comes at a higher cost. As a matter of fact, that's our definition of life on the next level. It's a a higher quality of life at a higher cost. And the reason we say that is that living this life on the next level takes effort. It's not something that happens automatically. We've been looking at uh, those different areas of our lives where we want to pay a higher price for a, a higher quality. We started two weeks ago by talking about the area of our life called faith. We challenged you, we challenged you to get into God's word and to uh, read the Bible this year. And many of you are doing that. And I'm, I'm proud of you for doing that. I, I, I'm doing it and receiving a great blessing from it. Last week, we talked about Raising the level of our of our finances and our and our ourselves, basically, in, in that uh, we operate our li- lives by a philosophy of generosity instead of a philosophy of greed, giving not only of our money, but of our time and our talents and of our, our witness, our testimony to others. And today we're looking at this issue of relationships or friendships and friendships are very important to us, aren't they? Because, folks, making friends is not an easy thing to do. And I would imagine that there are a lot of folks out there who are lonely and could really use a friend or two in their lives. And I want to make a distinction here between a friend and an acquaintance. According to Webster's Dictionary, an acquaintance is someone you have a personal knowledge of or are familiar with. Or it may be a person whom one knows, but who is not a particularly good friend. So you see, just because you know somebody doesn't mean that that person is a friend. You may have even known that person for many years and you're very familiar with them. You may know a lot about them, but they still do not rise to the level of friendship. But a friend, on the other hand is someone attached to another by affection or esteem. I think there are several key words in that definition. Affection or esteem are very important. That's what draws you to one another. Because you see, I think another important word there, and probably the most important word, is the word attached. A friend is someone who is attached to another person. And the basis of that attachment is the esteem or the affection that you have for them. There's a wonderful quote from a great philosopher of life that I think uh, further illustrates the nature of a friend. The name of this well-respected philosopher is Winnie the Pooh. As he speaks about his affection for his friend Piglet, he says, if you live to be a hundred years old, I hope I live to be a hundred minus one day so that I don't have to live a day without you. Isn't that a great definition of friendship? So today we're going to talk about real friendship. And to begin with, I think there are three types of friends that all of us need in our lives. First of all, we need someone around us 
who we can have fun with. I mean, God has designed us to enjoy life. And I believe that that God puts other people around us for that purpose of enjoying life. We can laugh with them. We can have fun with people. And that's very important. Number two, we need someone around us that we can call on in our time of need. Let's just say, for example, that you're on a vacation and you are unduly accused and you end up being thrown into a Mexican prison. Uh, You need somebody that's going to come and get you out. I know that's only happened to me a time or two, but (laughs) but you need somebody who will come and get you out. So who is the friend that you can call on in a time of need? And number three, we need someone around us with whom we can share a secret. Who who do you know that you can really trust? I mean, talking to them is like like talking to Fort Knox. It's secure. Someone you can trust. And we need all of these types of people around us. And so so today we're asking, what is the key to real friendship? You know, it's interesting that whenever whenever a a question is asked of Jesus, most of the time he takes that question and he turns it around and makes the person who asked the question look in a mirror before he bothers to answer it. And the same thing happens for us here today. Uh, Basically, we're asking the question with our theme of today, how can I have more friends in my life? Or how can the friendships that I have in my life now improve? And so what does Jesus do? He turns that around on us and he asks us to look into the mirror. Let's take a look at our scripture verse today. It's from Matthew 7, verse 12. Timmy, if we can put that up there. Timmy, if we can put the scripture verse up there. There you go. This is Matthew 7, verse 12, and it's a verse that that many of us have memorized when we were a a child. And if you haven't memorized this verse, this is a good time to because it's so important uh, for our friendships, but not only our friendships, but just life in general. So let's read this verse of Scripture together. In everything, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, for this is the law. And the prophets. This is the golden rule. And a lot of us know the golden rule. We've quoted it out loud. Many of us have. And we've heard it most of our lives. But when Jesus first taught this rule, this was pretty revolutionary. And what Jesus is doing here is he's putting a positive twist on a statement that was that already was in existence and, and was known by many people. The Code of Hammurabi was an ancient set of laws, and the Code of Hammurabi said, among other things, don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. So you see, this is a negative command. Don't do this if it hurts somebody else. And that's a pretty good rule to follow. It's something we need to to think about. But Jesus took that and he turned it upside down and took it to a higher level. And Jesus said, it's not enough just to not do something bad to others. Instead, what we have to do is to be proactive and we have to take the initiative and do good unto others. Do to them what you want them to do to you. And what that means is, if I want to have true friends in my life, if I want the the kind of friends that I was talking about earlier, then that means that I first need to be that kind of friend to others. I guess today is a a day for the philosophers. We've already quoted Winnie the Pooh. Um, Here's another quote by another philosopher. This one has probably a little more legitimacy than Winnie the Pooh, but uh, this is from Ralph Waldo Emerson. And he's building on the golden rule here when he said, the only way to have a friend is to be a friend. 
The only way to have a friend is to be a friend. And I believe that that is so true. And I think that that one of the best places for us to build potential positive attachments in our lives is here in the church. I think especially as we involve ourselves in small groups, it's kind of like what Christine was saying a few moments ago. When we involve ourselves in a, a Bible study group or in choir or on a mission project or whatever, this is God's plan for us to to meet other people and to grow in our faith and to grow in our relationships with one another, to develop deep, abiding, strong, personal friendships with people that we can have fun with and trust with our secrets and people that we can call on when we need them. So we've established that in order to have a friend, we first need to be a friend. But what do we need to do in order to be a real friend? And I want to offer some suggestions to you today. Let me start right here. In order to be a friend, I think we need to put our focus on the positive. This is simply saying that we're trying to bring out the best in our friends around us. We seek to praise them for what they do right. We seek to encourage them. We seek To believe in them. And that's such a refreshing thing, isn't it? I mean, we live in such a negative society today, don't we? We, It's just so negative out there. And, And it's so easy to point out the things that are wrong with some situation or some organization or with somebody's life. It's easy to point out those wrong things. In fact, I'd say that some people make that their favorite pastime. Is pointing out the negative things that they that they come in contact with. And let's just be honest. We all have relationships where it's hard to focus on the positive. You know, you've had relationships like that, haven't you? It's hard. I mean, some of us know people that are it's just really sort of hard to pick something good about them. But if you look long enough, if you look hard enough. I've found that even for those folks that are hard to get along with, we can find something good to say about them. I mean, we want to encourage them. We want to build them up. And the best way that we can do that, I think, is through our words, by encouraging people through what we say. Look at what the Bible has to say. In Ephesians 4.29, it says, Don't use foul and abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. In other words, focus on the positive. I heard recently that there are three types of people that you meet who need encouragement. The people you met yesterday, the people you meet today, and the people you will meet tomorrow. And that's true, isn't it? Because we all need encouragement in our lives. I mean, the world tears us down. The boss is on our back. Somebody questions a decision that we make. Somebody says or does something that makes you sad or unhappy about your life. And so you need somebody around you who's going to build you up and focus on the positive things in your life. John Maxwell has a phrase in one of his books where he talks about adding value to people. And we do that by saying something positive to them. Paul said something similar when he wrote in his letter to the Romans. He said, I'm eager to encourage you in your faith. But I also want to be encouraged by you. In this way, each of us will be a blessing to the other. So who do you have around you that will encourage you today? And more to the point, how we how are we encouraging others? The second thing we need to do in order to be a good friend, I believe, is to meet one another's needs. Folks, our lives are a series of ups and downs. Sometimes we have victories. Sometimes we have defeats. Sometimes life is good and sometimes life is not so good. And so in everybody's lives, I think there, there's, there's going to be plenty of down times. And, and the fact is that 
it's easy to be a friend when things are going well for us, isn't it? When life's good for us, it's easy for us to be good to others. And it's easy to be a friend when life is going well for them. But when, but the, but the time when, the times when we really need a friend, when is that? It's when we're going through those times of hardships and difficulties and defeats. It's during those times that we need somebody who will comfort us and who will care for us and who will help us. And somebody who will even rearrange their schedule and come get us out of jail in Mexico. That's what friendship's all about. And one of the reasons that we have our small group Bible study groups in our church is it's not just because of the Bible study. That's a part of it. But it's also because this is the place where you'll find people around you that you can count on. You know, they say that once a church grows beyond about 65 people or so, that you don't know everybody that's there. You may recognize a face or recognize a name, but you don't put them together. Or you may even know the name and the face together, but you don't really know that person. And so so even if you have a need, who do you call on? Well, I think that our our friends here at church are the best kinds of friends that we can have. And not only that, but I don't think I'm the only one who believes that. And that's why I've asked a couple in our church to give a little testimony about how their friendships have been important to them. And it's somebody that we all love and and admire, and that's uh, Mark and Nora Hobson. So come and share with us for a minute about how friends have helped you. All right, I get to preach. Let's see if I miss if I move this page over here to here and he'll never know where he's at. No. Can you believe that next month it'll be 2 years since Rachel got sick? Yes, it's really been tough the last 2 years in our life. Uh, I know we never could have come this far without the support of our friends and family. And even friends of our friends. They change from saying, what can I do, to here is what we're going to do. They've always been just a phone call away. I bet everyone in Henderson knows the code to get into our garage. Who knows it? (laughs) (laughs) They took care of our dog. They washed our clothes. They cleaned our house and even brought in our mail. They checked on Daddy. And they cried with us when we had to say goodbye. Yeah, a lot of them drove for miles just to come see us, and that really refreshed us. It gave us hope, uh, and we just, uh, they even took time to just, uh, just to sit with us and just be there when we needed them. They played games, they colored, they sat, and they talked, and they accepted the recovery of Rachel. They gave us haircuts, they took took care of filing our taxes. They didn't pay them, but they took care of it. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Handled our medical and legal questions. They mowed our lawn, paid for our plumbing, and even opened their own, opened their own home for us to stay. They raised money every possible way they could. There was a concert, a golf scramble, and an auction. They sold barbecue, oil changes, root beer floats, and collected pennies. There was a softball tournament, a silent auction, a bucket shake, and a chance to wear jeans to work. Our friends kept giving and doing more than we'll ever know. All this time, they sent cards. Do you remember sitting at David's that night in the living room and opening all the cards? Our children were so amazed. We needed that at that time. It was like Christmas. The cards just kept coming. We filled five scrapbooks of nothing but cards of prayers, encouragement, love, and support. Sent to us wherever we landed. There were those that sent one nearly every week. Ah, letters from home. Yeah, we're speaking of Christmas. What about the Christmas tree? When I started setting up the tree this this year, I had this wonderful time thinking about all our friends who had held us so dear. The year before, they put it up for us. And when we came home for good at Christmas, there it was, shining bright in our living room. Then I came across the angel that was presented to us along with an unconditional gift. An entire family in this church, they passed on their Christmas presents, and they, they gave, instead of buying presents, they gave the funds to us. But even more important, 
How would we have survived without the hundreds of prayers offered for us? Our friends and their friends who constantly prayed for us, even during the times when they didn't know we were too exhausted to pray. The prayers have carried us, embraced us, and given us strength that is unexplainable. It is a wonderful calm and a heart-pumping time. They gave us their time, their talents, their money, and their love. They took care of our lives and well-being so we could concentrate on Rachel's recovery. It really was a tough time. Yet through it all, we have seen the face of God time and time again on the faces of all these friends. I believe we're going to make it. I know we are. They're called friends. There's a great verse in the book of Ecclesiastes that I believe beautifully illustrates the strength that we get from friendships. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up the other. But woe to the one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. Isn't it wonderful to have friends that we can count on? when we need them the most. So let's be honest for a moment. You have people in your life that if you hit a hard, difficult time, do you know that they'd be there for you? They'd help you? And more to the point, are you that kind of friend that if people in your life hit a hard time, you would respond and be the kind of friend that you need to be? Let's focus on the positive and let's meet one another's needs. Then the next thing we do is we grow in our friendship. As a friend, you help others to grow. And the friends around you ideally help you to grow. I've heard it said that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You ever heard that? You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And so I want you to think about that for a minute. Are your friends pulling you up or are they dragging you down? Are your friends interested in your growth or, and are they making you a better person or are they making you a worse person? Do you have someone around you who can motivate you and hold you accountable? A friend comes around and they motivate you to be a better person and, and to be the kind of person that God really wants you to be. And the Bible says that this is what the church should be. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4 says, Under Christ's direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. And as each does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Did you hear that? It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Folks, that's what we are to do as a church. We are to, to do that as we come together at worship time like we are here today. We're to do that as we study the Bible together in a study group. We're to do that as we sit around a table and share a meal together. We're to do that as we work side by side, feeding the hungry or, or building a house or breaking leaves or mowing grass or whatever. We are to do that as we play together and have fun together. We are to be the kind of people that helps other people grow. And let, and let me give you just a couple of ways we can do that. Do you have any friends that are kind of stagnating in their spiritual lives? Maybe they're struggling with some inner demons that they're, they're trying to bring them down. And when people get in a situation like that, many of them have a tendency to withdraw and distance themselves from others. And, and many of us have a tendency to say, well, they're just going to have to work that, that, that out themselves. But folks, if we're going to be a good friend to them, then we need to challenge that person to pull themselves up. Or as it says in Ecclesiastes, we need to help pull them up when they fall. And we need to get them back with people who can really show God's love for them. Invite them to church with you. Offer to go get them. Go pick them up. 
Take them to lunch afterwards. Be the kind of friend that helps other friends grow. Then I think we also should enjoy our time together. Do you know that God did not create us to be deadly serious all the time? He didn't. God did not create us to be deadly serious all the time. And I know that you wouldn't know that by looking at some Christians. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? (laughs) You've seen those Christians that walk around with that somber, sour look on their face all the time, like they just ate a green persimmon. If they dared to crack a smile on their face, it might break their face. I knew a guy like this in college. He was a funny, happy, energetic, fun person to be around. And then he became a Christian. And it ruined him. His whole personality changed. He became somber and solemn and was always serious. Before he became a Christian, he would often hear a good belly laugh coming from him. But after he became a Christian, it was hard just to get his, the corner of his mouth to, to quiver upward. But folks, that's not the way God created us. God gave us life so that we can enjoy life. And it's really hard to enjoy life to its fullest if we don't have friends we can have fun with. That's a part of God's deal. When Jesus said that he wants us to have life and have it more abundantly, he wants us to enjoy life. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with having fun. As a matter of fact, I think we need to be intentional about enjoying life together. And I think that each of our Bible study groups ought to plan at least one time every month or two months or so, to do nothing but have fun together. Just do something together and just have fun. Next thing that we should do if we're going to be a good friend is never hold a grudge. This is important, folks. If you're going to be a good friend, you have to make the decision never to hold a grudge. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but friendships can be kind of messy. You ever notice that? And when two people get together for a while, somebody is eventually going to get hurt. Somebody's going to say something that's hurtful. Somebody's going to do something that is hurtful. And we're going to do things both intentionally and unintentionally. And a lot of people say, well, I'm never going to find a friend until I can find the perfect friend. Well, folks, guess what? That doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a perfect friend. Because we all mess up from time to time. And so what we have to do is to learn how to forgive our friends and let go of those grudges. You know, that's that's a hard thing for us to do sometimes, isn't it? I think it's probably harder to to forgive someone than it is to do just about anything else. And I've seen an awful lot of people who walk around with these heavy weights on their souls. Because they're hanging on to a grudge from something that somebody did to them either recently or maybe even years ago. I knew a lady in Atlanta that I'm convinced that her inability to let go of a a grudge sent her to an early grave. She went to that grave because she held on to that grudge and she just could not let go and forgive. So you see, when we hold on to that grudge, it's, we're not only not being a good friend, but we're actually harming ourselves. And so maybe while, while I've been talking here about not holding a grudge, maybe somebody's come to your mind. Maybe you have a friend that you need to reach out to. Maybe you have a friend that you need to go after and forgive or, or to ask for forgiveness. Proverbs 8.24 says, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend is closer than a brother. Well, here's the thing about brothers. I've got two of them. And as we were growing up, anybody got brothers or sisters? As we were growing up, probably you too, there were times when we made each other so mad. And there were things that They did to me that hurt my feelings and made me angry. Of course, I never did anything to them like that. 
Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. And we won't go into any detail to here, but just suffice it to say that my mama and daddy's children were not what you might call innocent. None of us. But the thing about brothers is you always forgive because you're family. And you make up and you get over those things. And that's what it means to have a real friendship, too. It means being able to overcome any obstacle. And if you're able to do that, then your friendship's going to be even more special. And one more thing. If you're going to be a friend, you're going to have to take a risk. All of life is a risk, isn't it? The person who says, oh, I'm just going to play it safe, that's the person who's not going to go very far in his or her life. That person's not going to grow very much. That person will never try new things or look at life from a different perspective. And they might as well be a bump on a log because that's about how much they're going to accomplish with their lives. Growth requires risk. And in the same way, friendship comes with risk. A couple of different ways we need to take a risk. You need to take a risk in a relationship that may be strained. Maybe you have a relationship that's been struggling and it's been a little bit strained. Maybe you need to reach out to that person. Make a phone call or send an email or, or a letter. Or walk up to that person and get that taken care of. And I realize this can, uh, this can be an issue, but friendships are things that need to be invested in. Second thing we could do to take a risk is to put yourself in a situation where you can make new friends. And that's a risk too, isn't it? Sometimes it's really hard to find places where you can make new friends. I mean, the kind of friends that we've been talking about today. And I think one reason for that is because we no longer have a place called the front porch. You know, I remember when visiting my grandparents down in Abbeville, Georgia. It's just a little blink in the road there. But my granddaddy, when he'd come home from working in sawmill, he'd get his paper right away and go sit in one of those huge rocking chairs on the front porch. And he'd rock and read his paper, and people would drive by and walk by, and not a single person would drive by or walk by whether he didn't throw up his hand and say hello. And a lot of people would stop and they'd talk for a while. But we don't have that anymore, do we? We all live behind closed doors and it's hard to get to meet people. There are a lot of people that, that are suffering from loneliness. But God created the church so that people can come together and find real friendship. The kind of friendships that we've been talking about today. Friendships that build you up and make you a better person. And those are the kind of friendships that can be developed in a place like this in the church. So take the risk and put yourself in a situation where you can develop those good, close, tight-knit friendships with people that you can trust, people that you can have fun with and be held accountable where we can pray together. Make that commitment today. To be a better friend. Jesus said this. And we're to be, we are to follow Jesus, aren't we? We are Christians. He said, this is my commandment. That you love one another as I've loved you. And then he follows those words by saying, no one has greater love than this. Than to lay down one's life for one's friends. But Jesus did that, didn't he? And in doing so, he is the model for us as to what a true friend is all about. So let's make the commitment today to be the kind of friend that Jesus is by laying down our lives for others. Focusing on the positive things and not on the negative. Meeting the needs of others, growing in our friendships, enjoying time together. Not holding grudges and taking the risk. To share our lives with others. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you today that the Bible is so practical. 
that it gives us such clarity on what it means to be a good friend. We thank you that you were a friend to us first and that you sent your son Jesus to show your love. And so we pray today that you would make us a better friend to the people that we know and love. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response, number 571, Let Others See Jesus in You. There may be someone here today who needs to make that commitment to Jesus Christ and say yes to the friend and the friendship that Jesus offers to you, to you today. If God's dealing in your heart in any way today, we invite you to come and make that commitment that you need to make. If you're looking for a church home to be a part of, we invite you to come and unite with our church as we seek to be friends with one another and seek to build each other up in friendship and in love. If God is dealing in your heart in any way today, we invite you to come as we sing together. Let others see Jesus in you. Would you come? God, that is the prayer of our hearts today, that others may see Jesus in us. We thank you that you sent your son to be a friend and to show us what friendship is all about. And we pray that as we live our lives, we would live our lives in such a way that we are emulating you, O God. That we are emulating your son, Jesus, who gave his life and called us friends. Thank you, God, for the friends that we have and help us to commit ourselves to being better friends ourselves, sharing with others the love that you have given to us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.